Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. So forgive me. I'm going to start off a little sappy, a little girly, a little swoony. We're going to have this moment together that I'm sure you'll appreciate. I, Tim and I, will be celebrating 18 years of marriage in May. That means we've been together for 20 years, y'all, because we dated some. And yeah, so we've been married. Oh, that's, that's Tim and I on our wedding day. It was wonderful. Love you dearly. It's so special. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Did I show up to a marriage retreat conversation or talk on New Year's Day? You're welcome. You did not. This is just my introduction. So Tim and I, again, we've been married for 18 years. And then, of course, we were engaged. And I remembered um, when we first said, I love you, our first kiss. Cameron, you could show that. Look, at that's pre-beard Tim. That's back when I only looked like I had one person instead of two carrying around myself. And so, again, Tim and I, I remember our first date, all those special memories that you have with your spouse. Like our first date, he took me to a Thai restaurant in Springfield, Missouri. He wanted to be romantic and unique at the time. I didn't realize he was quite the foodie that he is. And he surprised me and he ordered duck. I'm talking the duck from like the Christmas story, the heads attached, it's in the tinfoil. I wasn't quite that ambitious of an eater, so it was kind of traumatizing, slightly romantic, a little creepy, but... It was, it makes for a memory that over Christmas we're talking about, you know, it's so much fun. And then, of course, kids came around, right? We had Cannon um, first. This was actually, Cannon was three weeks old, four weeks old maybe. Um, But this was Tim, again, beardless Tim. Um, And this was his first Father's Day and and Cannon's first day at church. So... Anyway, you know, and then more babies came. We have Drake and Elsie. Elsie's eight, and they're no longer babies. They're all kids. But this beautiful adventure of life has been so much fun. You know, and so I want to ask you guys, how many of you have been married 20 years or more in the room? I'm going to put us on the spot. This is a get to know each other, 20 years or more. How about 30 years or more? Wow, how incredible is that? Uh, 40 years. 50 50. Oh, look, the Seinhoffs and the Wingers. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, Young people in the room, we need to all bombard them at the patio after service and say, tell us how that happened for you. Um, Because as you guys know, you know, I, I was once told this too, that marriage is not just to make you happy, but to make you holy. And I believe that because marriage is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us right? It's an intimate relationship. It takes work, grace, perseverance, patience, enduring love, patience, perseverance, <laughs> commitment. You know, it's, it's a lot of effort, and it's such a beautiful gift. And, and I know maybe some of you are, are in this room, and you haven't experienced that and um, I, I am truly sorry for you. And, and, and maybe you have had to navigate some brokenness. But I would just encourage you to continue to trust God with your heart. Because I think God gives us this model of marriage, this model of relational intimacy, 
um, so we can have maybe a slight picture or a glimpse into what our relationship can be with him, right? Like this, this God's perfect design. Because ultimately, no matter how close we get to somebody here on earth, how much in love we are through good times and bad times, the only relationship that will ever matter is our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. So this morning, as we dive into what God has for us for 2024, if you will, join me and, and let's pray because I believe God is going to speak to each and every one of us in this room this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for the truth that we find in your word. God, as your humble servants, God, as I have the privilege to come and, and share your precious word with my friends and family here, Lord, speak to us. Help us leave this place as better people that are more in love with you, Lord. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit just pour over this place and in this room. In your precious name we pray, amen. So the question I want to tackle today is how do we have the best year yet in 2024? I mean, it makes sense. It's the first Sunday of the week, of the year. So we're going to dive into this. And, and, and to do that, I think there's three main points I have for us today. First of all, we have to acknowledge how God worked in our past. We have to actively pursue him in our present life. And we have to trust him with our future. So for our past, we have to acknowledge how God has worked in our past. And I, I love uh, this beautiful analogy of the butterfly. So go with me here for a second. You know, all my kids, they have loved that book, uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Has anybody read that book? The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle, right? Right, well, so it's this caterpillar, and he keeps eating all the things, eating all the things, and he, be, he becomes this fat worm, right? And then, um, as you guys know, about, uh, a butterfly was once a caterpillar, a worm, it could only crawl, it can't fly, but then it goes into a cocoon, a chrysalis, right? Which, the root word of chrysalis is Christ. Fun fact, and very appropriate for this morning. You know, it's a good God-given example for us as believers. So the butterfly emerges from this stage of chrysalis, right? Completely transformed. The old has passed, the new has come, it was once weighed down by gravity, clinging to the ground as this grub worm. But now it can fly. In Christians, we were once under the reign of sin, but now we can live in freedom and fly. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Christ in you is the key to your Christian identity. You know, if you've been with us through the book of Romans, which is truly, Tim has done such a great service in teaching through this book for us. You know, it's, it's, it's all about the transforming work of Jesus. If you haven't checked those, those messages out, go back, refresh them, because I know we're going to dive back into Romans. And maybe if you're in the room and you're new to Central, and maybe you're here because you were, you were prompted to show up to church this new year, you're in this room for a reason. Maybe you already, maybe you have already have heard about Jesus. You've, you've, you, you're, you're on that, um, that bridge to determine if this is a, a transformation that you want to embrace or that you want to take place. Well, you're in a safe place to go on this personal journey 
of spirituality, and we can't wait to support you as you explore your best year ever with Jesus. Now, for some of the people in the room, I think so often as Christians, and we're all guilty of this, we start to downplay our transformation, our life change, right? You know, we forget the power of Jesus or, or become apathetic to it or we get so consumed with behavioral modifications because we know better, we just can't figure it out, right? And maybe we even start to say things like, oh, I'm just a sinner. Oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, and I think that makes about as much sense as a worm saying, oh, I'm just a worm with wings, right? As a Christ follower, you are completely reconciled to God. You are forgiven forever. You're a completely new creation. Your old nature has died. And now we've been made alive with Christ. You will never die. You will be fulfilled to glory when you take your final breath on this earth and you experience heaven. Jesus defeated death by rising again and he gave us this, this gift of eternal life. So I think when we wrestle with our past or our sin nature, the remnants of shame or guilt because of decisions that torment us. Because that can happen for all of us. We have to internally work through the question, why do I still struggle with sin? Why do I mess up? Man, the holidays are great, but I did X, Y, and Z. Why do I keep doing that? As a beautiful butterfly, why do I still act like a worm? For any of the young people in the room, and I know a lot are in youth right now, You've been given a tremendous gift. Fight for it. Go to war. Don't let the world clip your wings. Ask the Lord to help you to see beyond your current situation, to give you spiritual eyes to see the environment that's around you. Fight for your natural tendencies as a teenager or a high schooler or uh, a college student to want to do what feels good in the here and now because of peer pressure and societal demands. Fight for what God would claim over you. I know as a Christ follower, this, is, is, this question is so frustrating. It's so frustrating to me. It's, it's the why do I mess up, right? Why do I still live out of my selfish desires? I have all the good intentions and still mess up. What I want to encourage us today, remind us of the passage in Colossians 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Then he goes on in, in Colossians chapter 9. Do not lie to each other because let's be honest, we're in a room. We're all trying to not be a bunch of liars, right? Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self. That's why we always say around here, we're imperfect people in progress because we will not be even authentic in our relationship and journey with Jesus. In Colossians, again, chapter 10, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. We become new people spiritually, but we still live in our old self's body, which contains the residue of sin. We still have our old narratives, our old memories, our old habits, and we live in a world that stands opposed to the truth of God. This is why we struggle with sin, even after we're regenerated to this beautiful butterfly. I think John Wesley, a huge pillar of faith, said it this way, and I thought it was so good. He said that in order to be on guard against sin, we must be aware that its remnants remain. 
The false notion that we're immune to sin. Wesley taught, he says it cuts off all watching against, against our evil nature, against Delilah, which we are told is gone, though she's still lying on our bosom. It tears away the shield of weak believers. It deprives them of their faith and so leaves them exposed to all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The best way to conquer our sinful nature and our past is to cling to the indwelling power of Jesus Christ. Jesus instructs us to abide in him, to put on the full armor of God, to equip equip ourselves mentally, to know who we truly are. So to have an incredible 2024, Maybe you're someone who's in the room who needs to put, the re- put to rest the demons of your past. Is that counseling for you? Is it a new group of friends? Maybe you're someone who needs to acknowledge that there are things from your past preventing you from living your best life in the present. Maybe you need to have some relational restoration. Maybe you need to be refreshed and repowered and just take a moment on Sunday, January 7th, to remember the transforming power of God that you've experienced. Because I know the people in this room and the people in this room are butterflies that are flying around with freedom. So we acknowledge the past and what God has done in our past and that brings us to our present. We have to choose to actively pursue God in the present. I'm now a new person, a new creation. I also must live in a new way. I can live as Jesus did in utter dependence on God, in a deep and intimate relationship with him, relying on God. Not my willpower to live the Christian life. So Jesus, he used that image of a vine and its branches, right? In John 15, 4 through 5, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it lives in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do we abide in Christ? Abide can be defined as to accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision, or recommendation. Okay, synonyms include really comfortable ones like obey, observe, take hold, Heed, acknowledge, respect. James Bryan Smith describes it this way in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, which is an incredible book if you ever have a chance to read it. To abide means to rest in and rely on Jesus, who is not outside of us judging us, but is inside of us, empowering us. The more deeply we're aware of our identity in Christ and his presence and power with us, the more naturally we'll do this. We must get our narrative right and practice spiritual experiences to deepen our awareness of faith. So let's choose to actively pursue God right now this year. We're deepening our understanding of truth. Or as we say here at Central, we want to know God. You know, we have a one-year challenge. If you're new to Central, take the one-year challenge. Commit to attending church for a year and try practicing some of the principles of Jesus. and See how God shows up and shows off in your life. You know, we kicked off our church-wide fast today. If you've never fasted before, I would check out our website, get ideas for how to fast. It's not too late to jump in and start. You know, it's a 20-day 20 commitment to seek out the things of God. 
we pray more, we read our Bible, we discipline ourselves to focus on him. So that may be foregoing social media or limiting our screen time or TV or Netflix or Facebook, whatever's going to torment us. And we put a pause on all of it so we can get some clarity, so we can have some intimacy in our relationship with Jesus. Isaiah 43, 18 says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in a wasteland. Oh man, that would be my prayer for all of us, that it springs up and we see the new thing that God has for us this year because we chose to intentionally seek him out at the beginning of our year in our 21 days of fasting. When we choose to actively pursue the things of God in the present, we abide in him and we can produce fruit. When I'm abiding and presently active in my relationship with Jesus, fruits are evident in my life that I'm prioritizing him. Right? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, yeah, I don't any of that this new year, Tiffany. Who doesn't desperately want to have more love and joy and peace for everything that we face in 2024? So when we abide in him, and we can be fruitful as the Holy Spirit works and moves in our life. So let's continue to seek the Lord. Now, I love this quote by Henry Newman. He says this, the question to consider is, are you in love with Jesus in our world of loneliness, despair? You know, there is an enormous need for men and women who know the heart of God, a heart that forgives, that cares, that reaches out and wants to heal. So let's, let's do that. Let's continue to fall more in love with Jesus. And that leads me to our last point for today, our future. We have to trust him with our future. Okay, I know Chris had mentioned this at the beginning, um, which, how sad, everybody quits their New Year's resolutions by the third week of January. Bummer. Well, I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was kind of Googling, you know, memes and all the, you know, New Year's stuff, right? New Year, new you. <laughs> We've heard that one. Um, best year yet. Um, how about this one? It's time to make old mistakes in different ways. Hurrah. Happy New Year. Um, oh, and this is cheesy, but whatever. Country singer Brad Paisley, he tells us, tomorrow is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. Um, and of course, my favorite quote, I would lose weight for my New Year's resolution, but I hate losing. <laughs> Hashtag winning. Okay, so I think we can approach our, our future this next year in two ways. Intentionally, or we can just be in survival mode. I did it, I made another year. I didn't accomplish any of my goals, but it was incredible. And I just don't think the Lord wants that for any of us, right? He wants you to experience all God's best. So I just wanna encourage you this morning. And as I was praying over this message in the Central Family, um, I teased him a lot, I'm like, I'm not good for much, but I pray a lot for a lot of people. Um, so I was, praying over this time with you and what I was supposed to share, and I really feel like the Lord gave me this passage in Matthew. And I don't say that lightly, I'm cracking a joke, but I don't say that lightly because I do, 
um, I feel like this is for some very specific people today. So it's found in Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And the, the Bible says this. Um, oh, and it's on the screen, yes. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So how does this apply to the third point? You might be wondering. Well, the title of this portion of scripture is Jesus Calms the Storm. The passage says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. Jesus slept. Waves were crashing over the boat. Jesus was sleeping. Mark tells us in chapter 437, it was a furious squall. I had to look up what a squall was. It's basically an intense storm. And the boat was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on cushions. That's again found in Mark 437. Luke also records this same experience in chapter 8. So this moment really impacted the disciples' experience radically. They were scared for their lives. Well, I want to take a moment. Maybe you can, you can relate to the disciples in this passage. Maybe you're walking through a storm or you've walked through a storm or you feel like, oh, man, something's happening in your personal life that you're, you're navigating. Maybe you're praying for that family member. You're desperate to figure out finances or, or you work out the issues in your marriage that continue to plague you. You're grieving the loss of a loved one trying to make peace with your adult children, journeying the brutal repercussions of the divorce. You're desperate for healing for you or that beloved family member. You're a student and you're navigating bullying or anxiety. And the storm seems to rise up quickly and waves are crashing around you, and you're overwhelmed, and you're afraid. And you're saying, Jesus, wake up, wake up. Now I have to pause here for a moment. Um, how many of you are deep sleepers? Let's just, I mean, we already made this service very intimate with my interactive questions. Um, so we're just getting to know the church family. How many of you are deep sleepers? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, Tim, I see that hand. I, I am not a deep sleeper. I really, I really wish I was. Um, it's like I had babies and it's like I hear a noise and I'm up and I'm like that awkward, creepy person. It's like, I heard something. And unfortunately, throughout our 18 years of marriage, I will wake up Tim, naturally. There's a burglar in the house. And I go to shake him because he doesn't just wake up with a light tap or Tim, Tim. No, it's like, Tim, pillow, poof, poof. And... Sorry, honey, that may be intimate to share. Um, all that to say, so I have to wake Tim up, and he is very sweet and kind. Usually he, like, wakes up and he's groggy, and he's, like, mumbling, of course, like, about the chiefs or Jesus. He says Jesus is a lot in his sleep, so talks to Jesus a lot. And something random, yeah. And he'll go and look, and, of course, it's something ridiculous, like the ice machine was just extra loud downstairs in the refrigerator or a neighbor's dog. And I... 
I, I just highlight that to say in all three of the texts, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples highlight that Jesus was asleep. Like all this is going around, all this is going on, Jesus is asleep. He's in a deep sleep. Well, and I just wanted to pause because I think Matthew and Mark, they bring this up because they're saying, you know what? Jesus is relaxed. He's got this. He's at peace. Because you know what? It's, 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 it's all about his timing. You know, Jesus is going to do his thing in his timing. And sometimes it's about the need of the disciples and their need for him. And I think we go on to read the text and the disciples, they wake him up. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Mark, he records, records it saying, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care this is going on in my life? I can relate to that. I can echo that. I'm hurting, Jesus. Don't you care? And then Jesus says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Mark records Jesus as saying, quiet, be still. You have little faith. Man, I, I can relate to that. I've been there. You have little faith. Afraid, worried, desperately calling out to Jesus. You know, we're family here. Maybe you can relate to that too. You know, the lack of control that I so desperately wish I had over our situation or scenario. You know that parenting deal where you're like, I'm going to make that decision for you. And that's not always how it's going to go. And Jesus is like, I'm with you. I got you with the simple rebuke of the winds and the waves. All is well. Quiet. Be still. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't go around rebuking the winds and the waves. Only the Savior of the world has that power to command the wind and the waves. You know, of course, the disciples, they're amazed and and all, again, all three texts in the Gospels say, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? So this next year, whatever storm comes, whatever season you journey, Jesus is reminding us, have no fear. I am with you. Jesus who commands the winds and the waves. Jesus who heals, who feeds, who pours out compassion on his children. He knows what you need. So I don't know who needs to be reminded of that this morning, but don't be afraid. Let your faith rise up. Be that butterfly. Continue to find freedom in the flight of knowing Jesus personally. Your future is in the hands of our Savior who commands the winds and the waves at the simple sound of his voice. In conclusion... In 1967, Futurist told a Senate subcommittee that by 1985, thanks to technological advances, Americans would be working 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. The average worker would retire at age 38. Great news, I'm retired. (laughs) No, that didn't come to pass. They were wrong. They predicted that we would have too much time on our hands. Isn't that crazy? The reality is that since 1973, leisure time in America has decreased 37%. I just think it's such a great reminder to us that no one can save time. We can only spend it. 
We can't put time in a bottle and use it later. You know, Tim did a funeral for our friend yesterday in Vegas, Greg. He's maybe a year or two older than Tim. He's a father of two boys. You know, Tim had married, married them and, and baptized their family. Gosh, he, he, he was so young. He died of sudden heart failure. Jim Muntz's funeral was here yesterday and our sweet Noni Noble funerals in two weeks. I don't, you know, I, I share that to say that when we have those moments, it's such a reminder that, that our time is a gift. So this year, let's be intentional about how we spend our time. We're not guaranteed anything. So how can we have the best year yet? We have to acknowledge how God is working in our past. We have to choose to actively pursue him. And we have to trust him with our future. So if you will, we're going to move into a time where we get to talk to Jesus.